Hello everyone, welcome to Thinking Aloud About Film. We are continuing with our Hu Shen podcasts that are not about Hu Shen films. These are a contextual cinema for his work. Though actually, one does begin to see all kinds of relations and influences. Today we're going to be talking about Six Suspects, a film from 1965 by Lin Tuan Chu, very kindly made available uh, by the a Taiwan Institute of Cinema and the Audiovisual. Uh, and this is the third of the Lin Tuan Chu films uh, that it has made available. And it's very unlike the other two, uh, a crime drama, murder mystery, film noir melodrama. <laughs> uh, it's less of a hodgepodge tonally than it seems, would you say? As you say, it's, it's a fairly straightforward crime drama. I mean, it is a whodunit. It's like an Ag- Agatha Christie-style whodunit, really. That you've got I mean, It's called Six Suspects because there are six suspects who are all victims of a, of a blackmailer who gets murdered about halfway through the film. Um, and the rest of the film is about the police just gradually investigating these suspects and, and ruling them out one by one until they focus in on the killer. The first half hour or so is taken up by a detective and a secretary who's really a B-girl who's blackmailing men for their money. And actually, it's a very bizarre setup I found, really. I mean, I wasn't initially sure that he was a detective. You know, he just looks like some hoodlum. So she's squeezing her man and he's trying to squeeze her for money. Uh, and it's told in a very weird way. It's very odd, isn't it? He arrives at her flat and he's like, ha, ha, ha. He keeps laughing and he's like, ha, ha, ha. I found out lots of interesting things today. Then he just goes, you go into a series of, of flashbacks. Like he keeps showing photographs that he's t- apparently taken, which then turn into flashback scenes. But these are scenes that it's physically... You know, it's impossible that he actually saw these things happening. Um, you know, and he he'd have to be this kind of omnipresent, invisible man to be able to actually witness the scenes that you're being told he saw. Um, so it's it's very it's very odd and it's quite distracting because all of the flashbacks are filmed with this kind of frame around them, which would be fine for to kind of dissolve into the flashback that way. But it, it's done all the way through the flashback. Uh, but you know, he sees you know, scenes that are taking place in somebody's office and then he managed to somehow follow apparently this young couple that are out horse riding in the middle of the country and, and he, then he goes to a bar and then he goes to someone's house and it, it's it, it's quite, it, as you say, the way it's told is quite strange. And the weird thing is it wasn't released at the time, apparently. And watching it, you can see why. I mean, it's a very odd film. I mean, part of the reason that it's so odd is because on the one hand, your description of it makes it seem like it's very tightly mm. structured, which it should be, right? But actually, it doesn't quite cohere. It doesn't quite make sense. It's not suspenseful. You know, it doesn't make you afraid. I mean, all of the things, you know, that you expect of, you know, an Agatha Christie novel keeps you guessing, oh, what's going to happen next? Who is it? This doesn't, really. You know, a more noir film kind of creates this you know, mood, ambience of, you know, very dark things. This shows you the dark things up front. It's a kind of part of life, actually, and that's one of the appealing aspects of it. You know, but you never feel, you're never engaged by the threat or... So I thought I thought it was weird because it fulfills almost none of 
the functions of any of the genres that it draws upon. Yeah, the melodrama is not engaging or moving. You know, you don't identify with anyone there. There's almost like nothing at stake in the solving of the murder. In fact, it ends on a real downer. <laughs> it's odd. And the reason why it's odd is because it's also accompanied by a really dynamic, interesting style of filming. Like the images are like really crisp. Every one of them is interesting. Like again, you know, I don't know if it's the director or if it's the cinematographer and the lighting person, but there's a real visual flair. Yeah. As you say, although the structure and the plot don't really work, it, it, it is fascinating to watch and particularly fascinating to watch in the context of having watched those those later new Taiwanese cinema films that just partly for the way it's filmed, uh, which is very nicely shot and it looks great, but also for what it shows you about, because there's a lot of location footage in, in, in Taipei yes. and in the country. Um, and so, you know, it reminded me of, um, you know, some of those Hao Shen films where they move from the city to the country and they show you Taipei in the 60s. And also, that you know, where Hao Shen is showing you this kind of, all these this kind of slight underworld milieu of, 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 of you know, youth gangs and, and gangsters and petty crime and this kind of thing. You're seeing all that in this film as well. So, yeah, I found that it's a, it, it's a fascinating film to watch, even if it's a flawed film. Yes. I must say, I, I didn't find it fascinating. I kind of I couldn't wait <laughs> for it to end. I, I, I kept drifting off, right? Like you're watching the film and then you find yourself thinking about the book you were reading or something. And then I had to go back, you know, and rewind a bit and start again. Uh, so I didn't find it at all engaging. I think it's of great uh, social and historical interest. Yeah. So, you know, if anybody's interested in what Taipei looked like, uh, in 1965, this is a film that will show you a lot of it. If you are interested in ideas of society in 1965, you know, in Taiwan, this will also tell you a lot, right? Like, it's a very corrupt place. Everybody is in on some aspect of corruption, right? Like, it's, I mean, it's kind of fascinating how far that goes in the state. Yeah, exactly, because it's it sort of, the, you know, the, the characters range from you know, petty criminals to uh, people working in industry to people actually running um, companies. And they're all on the, yeah. they, you know, they're, they're, they're all implicated in some form of corruption and black, black blackmail, murder, murder yeah, so, the, so, you know, some of them are, because all, all, all of the people that are being blackmailed, they've all, they all kind of deserve to be blackmailed, to be honest. Yeah, they're all doing, they're, well, they've, they've all committed, committed a crime. A crime. Yeah, they're, all, <laughs> they're all doing bad things. And um, it's, you know, may, may, which might be, you know, being on the take, might be stealing from your employer, might be, you know, petty crime, being a, being a gangster. So they're, they're all they're all at it. I was going to say, I love the score as well. It's got this really great jazzy score. So the score and the look of the film really plant you in this milieu that then the story and the way it's told uh, don't fulfill. Yeah? Um, so I, I, it's a really interesting thing because the angles in the film and the lighting are always beautiful, right? But then it's, a, it's, it's also a very dynamic camera, right? Like, you know, the camera moves in, it goes, you know, lots of traveling shots, it, yeah? But it feels kind of either overdone or purposeless, right? 
So, you know, they're like the equivalent of a scene when it says, oh, it was you. And then the camera does a ta-ta-ta-ta moving in, right? Like, you know, it's just crude, really. Yeah, so so it's, it's, a, it's a real hodgepodge of some things that are really highly skilled and some things that are really highly crude. They're very crude, you know. Uh, so I think the editing is very crude. I think the storytelling... All this constant flashback, you know, is very crude and unnecessary. And, you know, with that voiceover narrator, I mean, one of the first rules of cinema is really kind of, you know, show. Yeah, don't say, right, you know, in the telling. And this is like, you know, kind of, it's like reading a text to you whilst asking you. How yeah, and, and pl- plus it's constantly feels it has to remind you that you're watching a flashback by putting this filter over the screen and it doesn't sort of trust yeah. the audience or the fil- either the audience's intelligence or the, or the film's ability to, to make that point. So I can see why um, Lin Tuan Chu did not release this film. Yeah, it's understandable to me. I mean, I think it's actually, it's actually a film that, well, I, it's a film that I think would have ruined his reputation, really, um, because... You know, it's not suspenseful. It's not, I mean, a crime drama mystery that's not suspenseful and it's not exciting, you know, is a failure, right? Like, you know, if it, if it doesn't get you involved, uh, it's not working. So so I think it's right that he didn't uh, release I mean, on the, on the other hand, um, he doesn't appear to have ever made another film after this one. So, it's, uh, so, so what, what, ha- what have yeah, you to lose? I, I, but I, I think that may have been a financial, well, partly a financial issue, you know, because if you've made, made a film and don't release it, it's, you know, you, you've basically lost the money. But also, you know, the, 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 there is this whole issue of these films being um, not made in Mandarin. You know, so essentially, as I understand it, the government was supporting Mandarin cinema. Um, and so these films were made purely as commercial cinema. Um, and, you know, if the films are not a commercial success, then clearly you've, you've, you've failed. So, and that's very interesting that you mentioned, because ostensibly in this period, you know, there was the popular cinema was uh, in the local language, i.e. Uh, Hoken, Minan, Tayupian, there are various names for it, but it was not Mandarin. Uh, and then came a period where the government you know, was supporting Mandarin cinema, and so the tables were turned. So, um, you know, all of these films uh, by Lin Tuan Xu are meant to be commercial, and some of them, like The Husband's Secret, really uh, succeeded. Uh, and uh, this one was not good enough to be released, but it is good enough for you to see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely mean, worth watching. But, it, uh, but that, that whole... That whole kind of contrast between the commercial cinema and, and the um, and the kind of government sponsored cinema it is interesting because essentially the, you know, the new the new Taiwanese cinema this kind of new wave was at the outset was government supported to to promote Taiwanese cinema but in fact so effectively these these new wave directors that people find very interesting were actually sort of you know being funded by the government in order to push out the cinema made by the by the by the by the, the local for the for the local commercial market. I mean that's the, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? It's really interesting. I mean, there's there's a whole fascinating discussion about this in relation to world cinema at the moment, right? Because you know, so uh, I was talking to a friend when I was teaching in Cuba, 
and uh, you know he was telling me that basically the Rotterdam Film Festival kind of really controls uh, uh, what a large chunk of uh, Latin American cinema uh, gets, how it gets made, right? You know, because they give seed money and they choose and they help develop, right? So actually what, what ends up happening is that all of these budding filmmakers are kind of, you know, slowly being trained into making an art cinema. But it is often an art cinema that is at the expense of local popular cinema. Right. And you could see how this is kind of being played out at a national level, you know, in Taiwan. Yeah. The, the, the other interesting point, which we we didn't touch on when we talked about the husband's secret is the the whole Ozu thing, uh, because there's this it's, there's this frequent comment that's then disproved where people look at early Ho Shoshan films and say, oh, these must have been influenced by Ozu. And then apparently, yeah, apparently Ho Shoshan had never seen an Ozu film until the early 90s i think which when you then become aware of the uh, you know the issues between japan and taiwan and the fact that japanese culture was probably not accessible in taiwan at that point that that makes sense that he wouldn't have seen an ozu film but what he would have seen i mean he wouldn't have seen six suspects because it wasn't released but he would as we said last time he would have seen the husband's secret and he would have seen may 13th which we'll talk about next um so effectively what he's perhaps seen is you know, Japanese cinema filtered through film local filmmakers, local filmmakers. Uh, because there, there are those shots. You know, those shots of the Japanese style houses um, in 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 this film and in the other films, and, and you know, the use of frames within frames and this kind of thing, and those kind of Ozu style it's shots. A, it's a very who it's a very who style of filmmaking. You know, I was noticing that. Yeah, the frames within frames. You know, because actually the houses, the interior of the houses, are very Japanese. Right, like, uh, you know, they're low, they're full of screens, right? So this framing in between screens, yeah, you see that so much in, in Hu Shaoshen. And also what you see often in this film, which also reminds me of Hu Shaoshen, is filming, you know, so, so there's a lot of shots in which something is happening, but you're being shown it through the window or yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of. I, you're meant to be divorced from it or divided from it or it's at once removed, uh, you know, which I thought was equally very interesting. I mean, there are also quite a few shots where, you, you know, there's two characters sitting in a room talking, but they're divided in the middle by a by a pillar in the foreground and that kind of thing, which, which again is, is something Ho Shen uses a lot. I think it's a filmmaker, or Lin Tuan Chu, is a filmmaker who's got a lot of interesting ideas, mm. right? But they're never successfully carried out right so there's that scene where you know the the b girl is talking uh and the detective's shadow is projected right like on the mm. screen and you think oh what an interesting idea and then it just lingers there and you know the shadow moves the the head and you think okay this is taking too this is too much right like it's too yeah, long yeah and it's not doing enough it's not kind of conveying enough right? and this is a Apparently, this is a remake of a Japanese film. I don't, I don't know what, what what the Japanese film is, um, but you do kind of wonder whether he, you know, he'd seen the Japanese film five years ago and was just kind of remembering it while trying to make it. I, I don't, I don't know. It did remind me a lot of uh, Japanese uh, crime cinema of the period, uh, actually, and you know, some of the look uh, to me actually feels very Kurosawa. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I can see uh, the influence quite clearly. 
I'm really glad to have seen it in such a beautiful print. I mean, these restorations are really wonderful. Yeah, and this one, this one looks great. And probably the reason it looks great is that it was never released. The, the other two, they were working with whatever surviving print existed. Whereas this one, if the surviving print had never actually been screened in cinemas, it's going to be in very good condition. Well, it's either going to be in very good condition or it's not going to exist. So, um, so yes, thanks again to the... Taiwan Film and Audiovisual Institute for making these available worldwide because they are just absolutely fascinating. And do you want to say who's next? So the, the three that are available this week are Sin, Sin Chi. Uh, so the first one is The Bride Who Has Returned From Hell, which is on YouTube already, <laughs> which is just such great. a great title. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. So the, 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 And those three will be available till the 10th of June. I I have ambivalent feelings of it, uh, about this film because, you know, I think it's not a good film. And really, if you're not interested in Taiwanese culture or Taiwanese cinema, I do think there's almost no reason to see it. But if you are, then I highly recommend it. Yeah, it kind of, you know, it's 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 fascinating to look at, and it has a lot to to say, uh, or to tell you about Taiwanese culture in 1965 even though, you know, it's not necessarily a good film. Absolutely. Yeah, I think what I'd say is, I think this is a quote from the TV reviewer, Nancy Banks smith from The Guardian. If you, if you like this sort of thing, this is the sort of thing you will like. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, want to underline before we leave, you know, that we're not experts on Taiwanese cinema. We are discovering it, you know, as we go along. And we are watching this primarily to enhance our understanding of Hu Shen. You know, but what we hope is that this becomes kind of a part of a conversation. And if you're listening, please participate. If you if you catch any errors or if there are some areas, you know, that you know more about than we do, which is probably all areas <laughs> in relation to the cinema, please let us know. And thank you very much for listening. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye bye.